Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bag Broadcast, episode number 288. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you all the top news stories from the past week. Next is the list, the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out January 6th, 2016. Wow, 2016. That's crazy. I know. So, since it's a new year, it's only fitting that for our main topic, we take a look back at some of the stuff that happened back in 2015. Yeah. We do this every year. We do our uh, annual look back and our annual look forward. It's uh, just a chance for us to reflect on some things that happened that, you know, got us excited or, uh, well, we never talk about really what let us down. So, just what got us excited. We're a positive show here, Chris. Yeah. Uh, We talk about um, movies, comic books. And this year, uh, we're doing beer, too. Yeah, we, we are dropping the video games because, honestly, I think we've all uh, kind of fallen away. John, you're the only one with a quote-unquote next-gen system, right? That's true. And then I buy video games on sale and then end up not playing them. <laughs> I Like, since I don't have a lot of time between stuff, like, mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot more tablet games, so... Yeah, and you've moved, like, three different times this year, so... Yeah. Uh, that's that take, eats up a lot of your year right there. So. It tends to. Uh, but what smooths it all out is drinking really good beer. Yeah. And uh, this is something that came out um, just a couple weeks ago um, that we were all really excited about. And this is the Russian Imperial Stout from Otter Creek. Um, this is went away for about a year they didn't brew it last year and we were quite upset about that um but they've brought it back uh and they brought it back in a 16 dollar four pack which i think dollar 16.99 um i remember the last time these came out i think they were 11 or 12.99 for Mm -hmm. a four pack which we didn't have too much of a problem with um it's still a good beer Mm -hmm doesn't wow me as much as it used to, but I think it has something to do with uh, me getting over a cold mm-hmm. and um, wasn't expecting the original one from a couple years ago to be as good as it was, mm-hmm. and it floored me, and we all talked very highly about it, and it was a really good, but I'm missing like those burnt... It's there. It's, it's there? It's there. I'm, I'm, just, just missing, I'm missing it? it? All right. Yeah. This has that that's, smoke. That's depressing. No, it has that smoke, richy, uh, smoke, burnt, <coughs> uh, almost caramely bits to it. Uh, Just as good. Yeah. Okay. It, it is pretty darn good. We're drinking sorry, these. Uh, sorry, John. As someone that's uh, also a little bit sick right now, I I feel for you. Because uh, I had I bought a four pack. Paul bought a four pack. I had one out of my four pack, and I was like really disappointed. Oh, jeez. Um, but that was right, kind of right while I was getting sick. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that when we did this, I was You'd well enough it. to uh, to taste it. But I got I got three in my uh, fridge for and me. I for got later. three in my fridge as well. We are drinking these uh, pretty chilled. Um, I, we got in here at my my house. Uh, we got a new refrigerator, so we took the old refrigerator and moved it down into the basement. So I've been storing some beer in there. Oh, John. Uh, and this is uh, rather chilled, so I think I'm missing a little bit of that smoke richiness from just how cold it is, but I'm getting a lot of really good, deep, rich flavors, exactly what I want from a Russian Imperial. Yeah. 
I'm getting those things where it pulls out like just certain flavors, you know, when you have that cold and you're yeah. just getting one thing. And I'm getting a lot of the alcohol on it. Um, but I, I, I'm not getting, I reckon that just me, my, you know, my stuffy nose, my congested head pulling those flavors out. I don't know. I'm, I'm supposed to work tonight at seven o'clock. I might call in just because you can't talk to customers when you sound like this, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might try to go to my beer store and see if I can find this. I went like a couple weeks ago to see if they had it and nothing, but then the holidays happened and I've been busy ever since. Um, you, the best thing you should do is go on to Otter Creek's website and look up where it is locally for you. Um, because that's what I had to do because this beer was only in two places in Buffalo. Oh, wow. Uh, one consumers, um, that was like, really that one way out there? Mm-hmm. And then our Premier Gourmet. Um, so I recommend doing that, Chris, because one of the things I talked to one of the reps for Otter Creek, and um, they said that Serto Brothers, which is the company that distributes the beer, uh, was holding off putting this in different places until other seasonals have sold. What's their warehouse like? Like, is their warehouse just like a standard warehouse where it's just a tin, tin shack? That they just store everything in, screw the temperature control, no temperature. Because that's what makes me nervous about yeah. warehousing beer. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Um, but I can, in some aspects, when I found out that this beer was sixteen ninety nine, I can understand not delivering it to my store and mm-hmm. the company that I work for because we do craft packs where you can take single bottles and put it into a six pack that's nine ninety nine. So if this beer is sixteen ninety nine, and you took one of those out or two of those out and put it in a nine ninety nine pack, or all four, and then grab two <laughs> yeah. other ones. Yeah, I mean that's that's and a, go through a line with a sixteen year old that doesn't know anything. Yeah, that's that's a big hurt, you know. Mm-hmm. So I can understand doing that at in my stores. Uh oh, they heard us <laughs> coming up with this plan. They're coming to arrest us right now. <laughs> Um, so I can understand that in, to not deliver it to certain places or have it in the back and only mm-hmm. give it out you know, when people ask for it. That's what we do with KBS, Goose Island. They're kept in the back oh. and given out upon request. So, I mean, with these prices getting up, like mm-hmm. I can imagine that happening with this Otter Creek. And like this was something that like, started to turn into a pre-show discussion, but we decided to save it. Um, I think I'm okay with spending – more for a beer if it is something that delivers. Um, Paul, you're saying that it does have that punch. Do you think it's worth like the six seat ninety nine? Well, yeah. Uh, the John started before we started the show saying, "Hey, it's this kind of pricing is going to scare. It's not going to bring in new people. It, it's going to scare. It's pe- going to scare people. It's going to scare people. Wait, because this isn't the kind of beer that exactly. you know someone's going to be trying for their their first beer. It's the hardcover pricing. You know, it's kind of like in yeah. books. You know, you got the hardcover release of books for that first printing, that first run, because there are people that just love buying novels and just will buy it at the hardcover pricing. And then you got the people that are going to buy it when it hits the softcover pricing after it's sold so much. And I think these these breweries really need to and able to stay uh, profitable because, you know, looking at their sales for – you know how many, you know, barrels they actually end up selling. It, uh, you know, they need to figure out a really good pricing model for the beer that they're releasing. For, you know, automatic for the people. You know, and then their fans. And 
you know, if you're going to put the care into a beer, and you know, I'm going to pay a fan, you know, almost a fan tax on it, you know, and I think this is a fan tax beer. Uh, well, this beer almost scared me away from buying it, mm-hmm. and I for you love a, it. Mo- a month and a half, yeah. I said I, I I messaged both of you guys going, yep. Russian Imperial Stout's going to be out in December. Mm-hmm. Russian Imperial's out. I found it. It's here. You know, so I mean, that's three messages for me when I walked into the store to buy it. I was taken back. I was like sixteen ninety nine, and well, sometimes like, like the stores might have to raise the price on that just to keep that demand in check. Yeah, but the, I mean, I mean, if it was put out and it was like ten dollars for that four pack, it'd be gone. Like they wouldn't be able to get any more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at like KBS, Goose Island, those beers are first come, first serve. You you want it, you're there to get it. And those, yeah, those don't sell for well. The $20, $20 for the bourbon, 20, bourbon, bourbon, yeah. county, bourbon County. It was like 20, 25 but I'm getting I'm getting a bourbon-aged beer. I'm getting a beer uh-huh. that's stronger than this, aged in bourbon for like six or eight months. Right. You know, that's something well over this beer. Plus, and that you're, beer, you're paying like $8, eight dollars more for it though, yeah. at that point. Too. Yeah, but – yeah. About which is about fifty percent more. <laughs> yeah, but they changed it now. It's one bottle for like nineteen dollars or something. Whoa. What was it like? It was somewhere between ten and nineteen dollars for one bottle of bourbon of Bourbon County. Oof. And like, um, what was it? Uh, Dogfish Head has their Fort, their raspberry fermented ale, mm-hmm. thirty two dollars for a four pack. Whoa. And I was looking, I was looking for that beer because I was interested because they said. You can age this up to five years. Wow. So I was like, you know what? We love aging beers. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. I'm like, well, fuck that. I, I don't need to do that at all. Why would I Why would mm-hmm. I even spend that? Especially if it's so expensive for a beer. <clears throat> I don't know what it tastes like fresh, or I've probably had it years ago. Yeah, I, and I know I've had it, but it didn't like wow me at the time. And I'm like, why would I then really go in for an investment on something that could not turn out to be good as I age it. But at the same time, there's probably huge dogfish head fans out there that, you know, are stocking up on it. Like that's something that they're going to keep. But I'm, and it's like, we're, I mean, we're a bit of beer aficionados. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we take care of aging. We all have sellers. We all do this stuff. But even to me, like some of this stuff is like, well, that's just not worth it. Right. Right. And that's they got to figure out that pricing because they really need to tap into that that the beer aficionado market and go after us almost like wine aficionados. You know, I I really think for these smaller breweries to stay profitable, that's what they're going to have to do if they because our demands are getting higher yeah, and higher and higher. But those smaller breweries are the ones that are putting out stuff at cheaper. Mm-hmm. Price points. These are the bigger, the bigger yeah. breweries that have been around for a while. They're established guys, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean that's what kind of scares me is those established guys might start declining because there's so many smaller guys out there that are, mm-hmm. you know, supplying the demand of what you want. Well, I think if that's the case, then the big guys are going to have to realize, like, okay, well, what else can we do? Like, what different? And I mean. Maybe that's what you're seeing now, where they're putting out those more premium beers at the higher prices to kind of make up for it. Yeah, I think they want, they need to figure out the correct pricing and start brewing beers, and, and, you know, for that fan base. 
you know, at a little bit of higher pricing because we demand really good beer if we're going to pay that that price point. Okay, sixteen ninety nine, right at that cusp. Yeah, yeah. And I was livid yeah. with my cold and taste again, being like, "This is even good." And then, well, but I knew, like, that's on you. That's on me. I when I tasted it and I I didn't get all those flavors. I said. Well, I have to wait till I'm over this cold. Yeah, you can look at our two glasses right now, listeners, uh, with your uh, spectrovision uh, now through your iTunes, uh, and see that John's glass is empty and my glass is still half full because, man, I'm sipping and savoring every – like, I still have smoke no. and richness on my palate, and I haven't taken a sip for the past, like, two minutes. Yeah, you – yeah. You, uh, you, I was also was drinking mine before we started the podcast where you kind of took your first sip. Mm-hmm. Enjoyed it. It's 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 a lovely, lovely beer. And, and note, I haven't been rushing you. I didn't open our mm-hmm. second beer. I'm, I'm allowing you to enjoy that. Mm. Chris, are you drinking anything? Um, just tea today. Uh, a hot toddy? No, just tea. I didn't have anything to throw in it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. It's hard, but um, I did go to Disney's Hollywood Studios last night and tried a couple of these special. Uh, limited edition Star Wars cocktails that they have there. The Blue Harvest and... Oh, what was the other one? It was red. It was red something. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, they were pretty good. The red one actually tasted like the juice that's left in the bottom of like a Freezy Pop or an Icy Pop, whatever you call them. Okay, right? yeah. Uh, whatever your preferred like uh, colloquialism is for like the... Like the Freezy Pop things. Um, it tasted like the remainder juice that you have in the bottom of that after you eat it. It was really good. Mm-hmm. It was it too sweet though? Because when I oh, went no, to a Harry I, Potter word, world and uh, got the uh, like the Gillyweed potion, mm-hmm. it was so sweet that I couldn't finish drinking it. I'm like, no, honestly, like it. I wasn't expecting it to be like a sweeter like mm-hmm. mixed drink, and that's kind of what it delivered on. Um, what kind of alcohol <coughs> was in there? Was it all? I honestly don't remember. It's like one of those things, like. I, I looked at what was in it, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I was going to drink it anyways <laughs> just to try it. Because, um, yeah, yesterday was Star Wars Day for me. I went to see Force Awakens again. Then I went to the studios and uh, revisited the launch bay, went on Star Tours. And then I had, like, the Star Wars uh, themed drinks and foods that they had there just to try those. Cool. Nice. Yeah, okay. they have a, uh, a Star Wars burger right now. It's, like, the Royal Guard burger. It was a beef brisket on, like, a... Third pound like burger with uh, like pickles, Monterey Jack, and then it was served on a pumpernickel bun. Ooh, was yeah, it, the bun could have been a little bit different. Was it was the bun uh, dyed red, so it looked like no, it was um, just pumpernickel, so it was like the black bun. Oh, okay, <coughs> it was okay. I've had better burgers other places, so yeah, I've been don't getting, don't recommend it, but you know, I've been getting into. I I, I feel that burger craving coming back. We got a couple good burger places. Let me know. Yeah, I kind of want to. Cause I love I love burgers. I want to kind of get a really good burger. But uh, we should get into the news. Granted, we get into the news. Kind of talked a little bit about uh, pricing in these uh, smaller breweries, but Anheuser Busch has been really interested in them uh, with their what uh, high aim high. What is what is what's the division called? Uh, I don't remember. Uh, um, but they ended up taking Colorado Breweries Breckenridge, buying out that company. Um, it's kind of the f- fifth bigger brewery. 
Um, there's two smaller breweries that we don't get out in this area that I wasn't aware of that they had picked up. But uh, Elysian being one of the big names. Um, Goose Island, another one of the big names. Goose Island happened a while ago. Elysian happened about last, the same time like last year. year. It was before yeah. uh, last year's Super Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, January. And then, yeah, then Anheuser-Busch had their ad. Of, yeah. Oh. We're not for the snooty drinkers. And they, I'm like, you just bought out Elysian. Like, what yeah. are you doing? They have a beer that you just complained about. Yeah. Ugh. But um, this is from their high-end division. Uh, out of Anheuser-Busch, which is the uh, division that actually imports, you know, the back. Because Anheuser-Busch is owned by InBev. They, they're the ones that actually import back in the European beers. And they're the ones that are going out to look for the breweries that they want to take. Um, it's The thing is... Um, this this it looks like for breweries itself or for the beer market uh with you know the american we're, we have an aging population here in america most of our listeners are american so the demographics are you know the baby boomers are going bust right so it's an aging does that market. mean they're dying paul yes okay so it's a it's an aging population it's checking so i just there, there's less the baby boomers going bust yeah uh so there's going to be less of a demand on beer than there was before unless you unless you go after the different markets of alcohol and i think that's what craft beers are kind of doing they're scratching that itch of the like i was saying before the wine drinker i think uh they're scratching the itch of the maybe some of the people that would like that would get into the hard alcohol so the people that we, we love our bourbon age beer, and that got me into drinking bourbons. But I'm not going to stop drinking beer. You know, maybe yeah. maybe if all I had was the Coors and the Labatt's of the world, I would go into just drinking, you know, the straight spirits. And so you're, you're, these large megacorps, you know, your Anheuser-Busch's here, are, are faced with, you know, a future about, five, ten, about 10 to 15 years out of a sh- shrinking pie. And they've been seeing their sales, you know, uh, diminish while these craft beers have been picking up more and more of that slice, a bigger and bigger slice of the pie. So the only way for them to grow now, because they can't grow just because of the population, they can't just get more, you know, Bud Light drinkers because there's just more people in the world, you know, here in the United States. They have to go after these smaller smaller breweries that are serving the niches. And more and more people like kids that are going going to be 21 mm-hmm. have been kind of drinking those shit beers in college, doing the beer games and everything. Mm-hmm. And now that they're 21, 22, they're, they've moved on from those beers. Because mm-hmm. I, know, I know a handful of them who have all just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of come to me and be like, what should we be drinking? And talking them through and giving them like, oh, yeah, you should check out this one. And people come up and say, hey, should I check out uh, Clown Shoes? I saw them in a store. I'm like... Yes, but don't do these. Yeah. Do these clown shoes. These are what they really do great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that it's that younger market. It's only for like high school and college kids that are drinking those. Yeah. You know, Natty Ice and Budweiser and Labatt. Mm-hmm. And once they get to a certain age, is when they. Yeah, they're no longer getting that lifetime brand loyalty drinker because there's so much out there in the market and that. 
and, and you know, maybe, and what I was saying is maybe, the, you know, those 22-year-olds when they got out of college before, like five years ago, went to either spirits or wine or did something else if they weren't going to become lifelong just bud yeah. drinkers. But now, now there's that market. Yeah. And Good what for else? us, though. And what else there's a market for? Happens to be Star Wars. What? Because everybody's buying Star Wars. Yeah, like I said, I went to see it again yesterday, and it's it was still a full theater. Like, I did not expect that many people, like, early afternoon, mm-hmm. like two weeks after it came out. Yeah, At uh, Disney World, mind you, too, like, where people go on vacation. And then sit in a movie theater? Yeah. On vacation? Wait, there's a movie theater on Disney? Downtown yeah, the, Disney? Um, right at uh, Disney Springs, okay. AMC. Okay. Yeah, we, we parked next to it. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, opening, uh, this is, you know, Star Wars The Force Awakens has uh, surpassed every other, for opening weekend, surpassed everybody, worldwide opening weekend. Did not surpass Jurassic World for opening weekend uh, foreign, so Uh. taking out the domestic. So uh, the domestic sales really helped. And it looks like it's on pace to take over the domestic for Avatar, which is, you know, non-adjusted for uh, inflation. Uh, Avatar uh, record... Record stands at seventy six hundred million right now. Uh, Star Wars: Force Awakens after uh, seventeen days, seven hundred and forty million. So it's only twenty million dollars away from yeah. uh, breaking it. And, and this weekend, it brought in an additional eighty eight. So if you're thinking even next if, weekend, if it drops in half, you're you already, already still got it. it, and you're only twenty one days. Yeah. And Avatar had the re-release as well to theaters. So uh, adjusted for uh, inflation, I don't think anybody's ever going to match it. It's gone with the wind at one point seven billion dollars domestic. Wow. Yeah. Because it probably costs a nickel to see that movie. Yep. Yeah. Worldwide, Avatar has two point seven billion. Wow. Uh, Can you believe uh, oh, what's his name? Um, half a billion dollars in opening weekend for worldwide for Star Wars: Force Awakens. Though. For what, like the last six years, the two highest grossing movies were uh, James Cameron's movies, mm-hmm. Avatar and Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, because yeah. I think even like one of the Terminators was up there too. I think. Hmm. I mean, not it was up there on the list, but not on this current list of huge movies. Uh, like right now worldwide Star Wars sits at 1.5 billion. So it's a uh, 1.2 billion away from surpassing Avatar worldwide. Um, and I think like the Disney has put out what movies are going to be coming out in the next, uh, until 2020. So, um, 2016 this year, we're going to get rogue one. Then we're going to get episode nine then we're going to get the young Han Solo movie, uh, mm-hmm. episode 10, and I think it's finally been confirmed that Boba Fett in 2020. Yeah. Boba, yeah, the, Boba Fett? Boba when? Fett uh Star Wars Anthology one is the one that we're getting after that. Hmm. 2020? Uh, 2020. So every year until 2020, at this point, we are going to get a Star Wars film. And there's probably going to be stuff after that, too. Oh, like, yeah. Where people... That's just as far out as they're ready to go. Because they don't even have any word about those last couple ones, where it's just like, yep, we're going to be making these, but no plot, 
no directors, no writers, no producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just something that's yeah, I, yeah. I think Solo Solo's got a director, and they've been looking in ca- to cast young ho- uh, young holos, young solos. Um, oh, you want Java Japanese or whatever it's called? And uh, I think 2019 Star Wars has a director and writer attached to it, hmm. and the writer is the director and writer for nine. Well, they're starting to film the second uh, episode eight right now. I think this month. Yeah, so filming starts. And uh, are you, at my office, people are super, they're like, "Oh, so you know the Star Wars movie? You know, did you, um, they got like Star Wars movies planned for the next like five years." And I'm like, "Well, that's not a surprise, is it, guys? Like, you realize yeah. that the Marvel movies are planned like ten years in advance, right? Like, it isn't just like." <laughs> The summer before, they're like, "Oh shoot, guys, w- uh, what next? What's what's the next Marvel movie are we going to do?" They got a plan. That, like that's you know? the thing too. I, I don't think people realize how long it takes to actually make movies. Yeah, it's not like you just sit down and like turn on a camera and be like, "Okay, do stuff, guys." Mm-hmm. Like there's an like, obscene amount of planning and like pre-production, production, post-production, marketing. Like so much goes into it. Like <laughs> a movie coming out five years from now, like. It doesn't have that much time to get rolling. Mm-hmm. Especially with uh, how flaky sometimes these scripts can be. Like, when they go into for rewrites and rewrites. Like, I'm still amazed that Ant-Man came out when it did. You know, and yeah. didn't get yeah. pushed back uh, much further because of all the problems that Well, the other, thing, the other thing, too, is, like, Doctor Strange is being filmed now. And it's coming out, <laughs> what, uh, like, November? Of next year, yeah, yeah, of this, this year. year, yeah, because it's 2016 now. It's 2016 yeah. now, so Ooh. it's like it's. I mean, it's probably farther along in filming than what we've seen or heard, but it's still like they're filming it now, and it's coming out a few months from now. Mm-hmm. So it's just like that stuff. Like, wow, like yeah, a, a few a few months from now though, it, it's January. Like that's it's eleven months. Yeah, like that's not too bad. Hey. Lord of the Rings had I'm a getting, gross production of over a year. I'm getting married in seven months. That's 196 days from now. Dude, that's St. Patrick's is uh, 73 days away. I don't care about that. I, I don't know any days to anything, so I <laughs> I removed myself from this conversation. But the, uh, talking about Doctor Strange, though, John. Oh, we got a first look at him. I thought that's what you were segueing right into. And then he never quite made the connection. I forgot. <laughs> I'm on cold medicine and beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've gotten the first look, which is exactly what you would want him to look like. But I, there's been like a fan backlash about it, which I don't understand because he looks exactly like what you would want him to look like. Yeah, it's it's exactly what Doctor Strange looks like. So, like, what are people saying? Like, what's the backlash? Because I haven't seen this. No, it just was like people like, oh, I don't like the look. Oh, they're going with that look. Like it's it's just people coming out just to complain. Well, he is wearing like three different belts, right? Like that's, and then like an old like uh, he he doesn't look the costume doesn't look like it would be found in the modern world. You know what I mean? It, but it, it's what he yeah. would wear in the sorcery world because right. I mean even if you read like that episode or the first issue of. Um, Jason Aaron's mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, like he's in his own thing. He does not his, yeah. his realm. 
coincides with our yeah. realm of what he's you know fighting against. Mm-hmm. He he is literally wearing a cape. On the I'm looking at the entertainment uh, special double issue, first look issue at Benedict Cumberbatch Batch is Doctor Strange on the set of the most mystical magical Marvel movie ever. If you had him without a cape, people would go. Oh insane. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm. I don't mind this look. He does get the. He does have the Mister Fantastic gray. Yeah. Hey, I like that. Mm-hmm. Like that. He's got a goatee. So this is this is a character that maybe I could even cosplay. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. There you go. I got the hair for it. You have the amount of belts to wear. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, All no. I need is the eye of Agamotto. Right. You could easily make that, Paul. You're making, you're making a game system. Uh, or a kid cabinet. Kid cabinet. Yeah, which I mean, people are already theorizing is one of the other Infinity Gems. Yeah, that would make sense. It, to it's glowing, it. so why wouldn't it be? Is it glowing? Yeah. Uh, like if you maybe pull up the picture, I'm like trying yeah. to find one right now. Uh, I, well, I'm just looking at the Entertainment Weekly uh, cover. That was first announced. Uh, so this is cool. Making themselves at is home this me? In an yep, sorry, guys. Yeah, that's you. That's me. Why would it be anyone else? That, that was me. <laughs> no, uh, but that would make sense to tie in the char- you know, this this character into the rest of the Marvel Universe. I'm surprised Ant-Man didn't find uh, steal an Infinity Stone. But maybe he did. I still have not seen it. I need to buy that movie. Still. Yeah, you should get on that one. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase it. It's just it's like still twenty four dollars on like Amazon or the Blu-ray, and I'm like, ugh, I don't know. I was hoping that uh, Best Buy would have it on sale or something. Like normally, right after Christmas, they have pretty decent sales, but I didn't see anything yet because I did not get it for Christmas. So, um, is that it for news? Really? Like, yeah, right? Like nothing. No. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, my news of uh, for board games. Uh, it's, board games are something that John and I have always liked. Yeah. And then uh, we both realize we both like it, and we, and you know, like I, I have a um, a disorder of purchasing things that I like, but never end up playing or using because I know I like them, and I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, so I have this uh, acquisition disorder. And with video games and also with board games, and maybe we're we're seeing a little bit of that with Asmodee itself because uh, it has just uh, announced that Asmodee is splitting off basically its North American branch to its own like uh, t- under its own like flagship name of Asmodee North America, which controls Fantasy Flight and also Days of Wonder. So I think that I think that's an announce that the Asmodee now owns Fantasy Flight. In uh, Days of Wonder is a game, like, they have the uh, Ticket to Ride series. Um, they have Battle Lore. Battle Lore. And then uh, the other company... Fantasy Flight owns the Star Wars license for the Star Wars miniatures, Star Wars Armada. Uh, if you think of really nice pre-painted miniatures, uh, Battlestar Galactica, uh, those types of really intricate plastic pieces all in one box, it's probably a Fantasy Flight game. And uh, Asmodee is known for uh, their, you know, their European company. They're from France. Uh, they do a lot. Uh, what are some of the games that I have from Asmodee? Uh, Splendor, which was distributed by De- Asmodee. Um, game of the Year. 
Yeah, from 2013, right? Yeah. Um, they're just really big companies, all you know, all combined. So, what we see in the beer market, we're seeing in the uh, in the board game market as well. Yeah, it's not something that I would find. I mean, there's so many tiny things starting up games on Kickstarter, and you know, they all these companies probably have to join together in a way to mm-hmm. keep being able to produce what they're producing. What I, I find surprising, though, is uh, unlike what I think is happening in the beer market, and of course, you know, I only have a bachelor's degree in economics, so I don't, you know, and I haven't studied these things. Um, my dog is pressing all my keyboard buttons. By He's the way. taking a nap on that keyboard. Yeah. Uh, let, let me, oh. So, what does that sound? Ampersand sleeping on the keyboard. <laughs> uh, this is wake up, but he doesn't have headphones, so he couldn't hear he it. couldn't hear it. Uh, where... The the market, I think the uh, beer market is going to be shrinking in, in the long term. I think the board game market is actually going to increase over the long term. Um, so, it, but it's just a what what uh, both of the smaller companies face is access to retailers, yeah, and shelving space. And uh, when we're growing more and more into it, the online shopping space, retail space, uh, shelf space doesn't matter. But name recognition and uh, just knowledge and word of mouth really matters. So, yeah. So when you're a bigger company, you can put more out there. You can spend more on marketing versus smaller companies. So I think that's what's happening is, you know, these smaller companies realize that Kickstarter was a great venue to get word of mouth, to get people excited. Yeah. But it's going to take a budget to actually get things have a long tail. Yeah. Look for that. And, uh, I mean, I think the last bit of news we have was um, George Lucas coming out against the Star Wars movies um, and saying that he stole the Star Wars to white slavers. Um, and it- Which, by the way, hey, Pot, this is Kettle Calling. Uh, did you realize we're black? Because if anyone has pimped out Star Wars more than anyone else ever, it would be George Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at that the the prequel trilogy. Um, I, I think it's interesting, you know, that he goes on to say this, and it kind of sounds a little bit like sour grapes, because in, in the same when he's talking about having sold the uh, sold it to them, he also says that he had the storylines that he was working on that when they bought it, he gave them, and then they didn't use them. They didn't have anything. Which good move? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, we want to, you know, we own this brand, but we want to show we're a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, separated o- yeah. separated from that. And, and he, he took a lot of issue with the fact that it was a little bit more nostalgic is what it seems. Because um, his kind of sticking point was it would be moving the story forward, not dwelling so much on the past. I, but yeah. Then why I, the hell I, did I you throw you throw C-3PO and R2-T2 in the prequel trilogies? Mm-hmm. Why even make the prequel trilogies? Yeah. Because it's how I met your mother. <laughs> I, I like that. Uh, I saw that on Facebook. Uh, you know, but so, it, it yeah, it, you said it correctly, Chris. It's the pot calling the kettle black. And it's just somebody who has a little bit of, you know, sour grapes. He's, and he, well, he did kind of cut himself off in the interview, too. And he did release a statement later saying that. Like he, pre- like he's had a great working relationship with Disney, and like he trusts them as the steward of the brands now. But yeah, I think in that moment it was like seeing everything that it's doing, 
uh-huh. in relation to like what it had done for him and just kind of like that like what what have I done what did I sell yeah but I mean you cannot complain about like how much money he got like what was like <laughs> one billion yeah jeez <coughs> for Star Wars and Indiana Jones right I, I think <clears throat> one point I think it was more than that one point two three billion. Oh no, that's I'm sorry, that's not what he paid for. Uh four billion sale oh, of Lucas yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was an obscene amount of money. So he, he can I honestly don't care what he has to say about it anymore. I know that comes off as me just being like really like callous and everything, but like he's he's had his time with it. He did great things, like what he did not just with creating Star Wars, but basically creating like special effects and what goes into sound design and everything like we wouldn't have the movies we have today without George Lucas and like hey thanks that's great but you're just not a storyteller anymore the thing is though it's we now get to see George Lucas be the fanboy that everybody else was during the prequels yeah that's true he's like hey but what about oh I could have wrote into such a better story man like this stinks like cool george lucas is now one of them so maybe he's, he's one of them who who said like i doesn't care what they think yeah yeah they fell in love with an unfinished product mm-hmm. yeah i'm only fixing the, it for the original trilogy that he releases all these special editions on uh what i find interesting about the sale is um fox still owns the original star wars from 1977 a new hope in in uh perpetuity so which is that's kind of weird so the, any re-releases of... So I don't know if we're going to get box sets anymore of the Star Wars trilogy uh, released or what. And I really... And I know there's well, a Blu-ray out there of the original theatrical release, you, but I don't know which one it is. They're all up for sale like mm-hmm. digitally. They put them all up digitally for sale. Um, theatrically? The re- theatrical release or special edition? I'm not exactly sure which because. ones. I'm, and, and only because I was like, well, I don't need to buy those, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they were pimping them out on my PlayStation network that you can buy all of the trill, you can buy all the movies right now and watch them before the movie comes out. I, I think we'll still get those releases. I, Fox is going to want that money. Disney's going to want that money. They will come to some sort of agreement. Oh, yeah. No. Like, uh, there's way, there's way too much money that's out there that people are willing to spend for it for, like, these two giants to, Leave it not on the come table. to some sort of agreement. Like mm-hmm. you get one third of the DVD box set price. Uh, but I got more special edition, more uh, more specials behind the scenes looks. Uh, and, and one of the other things is people are saying is the first line in Force Awakens. Whoa, spoilers! Is they say is a dig towards George Lucas because it's the character giving um, Poe uh, Dameron that chip and saying this is to make things right oh almost like this movie is to make all your fans happy hmm. uh so i don't know if that's just people reading into that line or what but uh, no totally star wars fans never read into anything. No. Um, especially jj abrams star wars fans because <laughs> why would they read into anything that any for jj abrams to do right guys you guys anyway. like lost Right. Lost. Yeah. Right. I got, I got the reference. It wasn't lost on me. Oh, write that down. In <laughs> uh, what? I I don't know. What hasn't lost any luster 
is this three-year-old... I feel bad for you. Russian Imperial Stout. Well, this this beer is wowing me. My, my mouth is alive with flavors right now. It doesn't have that same smoky richness on the back end. It has a caramely malt flavor throughout. It's really nice. It's smooth. And there's that hint of smoke. It's not that big, robust, dark, rich flavor, though. It's it's um it's more flirtatious than it is seductive. Uh, I have no idea what that means. Uh, well, I love that it's flirtatious because taking a sip of this like ignites my mouth and my flavors and my taste buds. And like now, like how you said you were lingering on those flavors, all those flavors are like popping on my tongue. Like as soon as I smelled this beer and I tasted it, it wowed me. I'm glad we're drinking this now because I can feel, you know, I can almost taste the turn right around the corner. I think yeah. it's going to go teriyaki uh, fairly soon. I'm surprised it hasn't. You know, when I heard this was three years old, I'm like, oh, no. What that was my done? initial thought. Like, when you guys said you had, like, the older ones there, I thought it would just be, but, like, past the point. Yeah, this- it's been in our this one basement. I've been here for I've, – I've had this basement for long enough that it hadn't needed to move any uh, uh, locations. Uh, this, bo- this bottle was – this well, bottled blah, – blah, blah. this bottle was bottled – Mm-hmm. On uh, 12-3-2012, which we probably picked it up in 2013. Yeah, because yeah, it was already aged by the time we got it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's, it, good. it's fantastic, and it makes me think that once I'm 100% clear in the head, I'm going to have... This is our last bottle, though. Of this, that was right? a, Yeah, no, yeah. No, once I'm clear in the head, uh-huh. I'm going to have uh, one more of my new Russian Imperials. Okay. And then put those in my cellar for at least two to three years. Mm-hmm. I think. I think three years is plenty. Oh, I think so, definitely. This is this is good. This is still really good, as, especially since I, you know, we spent that money, that seventeen dollars on these four packs. That I'm happy that I have three really good years of drinking out of this. And these are, you know, and you gotta, you know, at this price point, you gotta treat them like a wine. You yep. gotta just open them up for a very special occasion. A twelve ounce bottle gets you two really decent pours, you know. Yeah. So split it with a friend and celebrate something nice. Yeah, and I think. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, considering both of our lovers aren't fans of really dark beers, uh, we can split them together, lover. <laughs> we we good. Um, no, but I mean, Here, cheers to the new year. Cheers to the new year. That's a special bottle. Uh, here's a cheers to Chris. Clink. Hey, hey. clink. Um, yeah, definitely. And um, Chris, let us know if you can't find this because when you if when you come up, we'll definitely if you can't get it, break out a bottle. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, sometime like end of this month. I'm waiting on a month and a half of back pay from my new job, mm. uh, which will be a sizable check whenever that comes in. Oh, so nice. <clears throat> that'll be good for you. Yeah. Just got uh, to team up with payroll on that. Got to work with payroll. All right. We got to work with our payroll to make sure that we have uh, money in our account to buy comic books this week. That's right. Comic books coming out January 6, 2016. And and you know what they say. Like, the first comic book you buy of the new year really sets the tone for your books. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone's ever said that, but I decided I wanted to make well, that. I, I, and I, that's I why I'm buying a new number one from an independent company, uh, Boom Studios. 
I'm picking up Last Contract, number one, written by Ed Breeson and art by Lisandro Etherin. Mm. Maybe. So, this book sounds exotic. <laughs> uh, this is following a retired hitman who is pulled back into the criminal underworld. Oh, just when he thought he was out. When his Hitmen should never retire because, you know, they're just going to get brought back. They're going to be one last job. Uh, he's brought back into this world when his list of contracts that he has uh, completed uh-huh. uh, has been sold on the black market. Um, by a uh, contractor who then all the people who found out that this man has killed whoever uh-huh. are now coming after him and in him fighting his way to find out who leaked his contracts. Wait, did, did he like make this contract and make this list uh, like a middle schooler where they wrote their name, then their homeroom, and then, like the date, well, but, and then the list of kills, the kills that he had to do. Like, but why he, did he put his name to it? Well, if he's working, uh, if he's he working, sounds like he's gloating. Yeah, if he's working for a com- like a, a company or uh-huh. a, a an assassins for hire thing, they would probably keep log of who did what in some aspect for payroll. Well, yeah, for payroll. For payroll. For payroll. For payroll? Is that payroll. why? Like, you would think it would be more of a diverse, a, a more uh, Disperian yeah, uh, kind think, of you would think organization. That. You would think that, but then you don't have a fucking story. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and that's my point, is I don't, I don't understand the story. My dog is freaking out because my wife just got home. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah, he's like, screw this. I gotta go. Pretty sure he hit his head on the way down. Yep. Uh, I'm <laughs> didn't. Yep. Uh, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Hmm. I yes. just finished uh, watching Star Wars: The Clone Wars on Netflix, and uh, really enjoyable. But that stuff gets dark at the end. Yeah. You know, and uh, Marvel is coming out with a uh, limited series, uh, kind of, I guess, in the same kind of vein. But it's uh, Anakin younger. It's not quite uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. It's a little, set a little before that. And it's called Obi-Wan and Anakin. And uh, this is, you know, writer Charles, Charles Soule, who basically writes half the books over at Marvel now. And uh, Marco Cicchetto over uh, on art. So he did uh, Star Wars Shattered Empire, which I really enjoyed. I thought it really good art on that. So uh, I'm, I'm in. Three ninety nine price point. Granted, uh, digitally it did come out on New Year's, so I could have read it, but I haven't yet. And I was reminded that it came out when it was on my list of things coming out this month. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. But I do own it now, so uh, it is there for me for the reading. So hopefully by Wednesday I'll have it read. All righty. And Chris? Um, I'm looking forward to a book, and my looking forward is kind of looking back at something that also came out within this past year, and this is A-Force number one, uh, brought to us by the same creative team of G. Willow Wilson and then Jorge Molina. Um, moving out of Battleworld, uh, we have the A-Force coming with the new hero, Singularity, who appeared over there, but also appearing are Nico Minoru, Dazzler, Medusa, She-Hulk, and Captain Marvel. Um, they're going to be policing the multiverse with their with their superpowers. Someone's alarm's going off. <laughs> um, I, don't know, I, I really enjoyed this book when it was coming out. It was probably one of the better, uh, better Battle World books. It's hard to say. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see it 
like this thing, uh, G. Willow Wilson was actually one of our top writers this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when we did our comic book creator craze. So it's good to see the book they kind of not put her on the map for us. Because that was uh, Miss Marvel. One of those ones, yeah. yeah. One of the books that kind of like kept her there. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back. Yeah, it proved that she wasn't like a one-hit wonder or something. Yeah. Uh, you know what ste- <coughs> steered me away from this book, Chris? Hmm. Nico chewing bubblegum. <laughs> if anything should have done, it should have been the fact that Medusa's appearing in it, and the Inhumans books just aren't delivering. Well, uh, but I love Medusa. She's one of my favorites. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's cosplay Avengers all over again. Well, sorry, people can't chew bubblegum. No, in, not Nico. She's not, she's not a bubblegum chewer. She's, I really want to, like, go through, like, every Runaways book now and just find one where she's actually, re- like, like, chewing, chewing bubblegum. <laughs> and I could like, submit that to you, and then you can just be like, well, actually, in this issue, she's being portrayed by Zavin, who is a scroll, so he would not know <laughs> that she doesn't chew bubblegum. I would. <laughs> you know, that would take a lot of reading. <laughs> Some of which could be dramatic. And now, a dramatic reading from Immortal Weapons, number one, page one, panel two. Hello? Mr. Ah, Mr. Cobra? And that was a dramatic reading from Immortal Weapons, number one, page one, panel two. I probably would have done it the exact same way, Paul, so thank you. <laughs> Set the stage. All right. Um, now, we didn't talk about this starting it, but this is our, well, we talked about look back, but not in the order of what to what we were going to do. Uh, yes. For a comic book podcast. Well, we are a comic book podcast, so. We are we going to start with it, or would we, would we end with the comic books? Oh, uh, let's end with we the comic books. We have that discussion every year, too. Yeah. Let's uh, end with it. Well, why not? All right. Some movies, right? Starts... Let's start. Uh, uh, I got three. We do three, right? Yep, yep we do three. All right. Uh, so I'm going to start with my number three, and this is the independent comedy uh, called What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, this is a mockumentary following three vampire flatmates, uh, and these are um, the two creators of Flight of the Concords. Coming together to make this. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, did did we watch that when you were here, or did I watch this on my own? I think you watched it on your own. Okay. Yeah, because I saw it soon. I completely forgot about it. Um, and it was one of those things that I was not expecting to like it as much as I did, and find it humorous. And some of the parts might not have been super laugh out loud hilarious, but like in my head, I'm like. That is so funny. Like when they, you have these vampires fighting over doing the dishes and they're, you know, all of a sudden they rise up, they're floating and they're hissing at each other. Like it's just some dupe, stupid, funny stuff. In the uh, and that, and them, them paling around with a um, stew. Stew. Yeah. Yeah. They, they love stew. <laughs> they're gonna, they kick the one vampire out, but they w- still want his friend stew, the human to come around. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know how I saw this movie then. I, was it on Netflix? I think it's on Netflix now. Okay, so I might have just put it on one night because, yeah, uh, this is actually really funny, and I'm not a big Flight of the Concords fan. I wasn't either. But I, I did like just like the mockumentary style of this, and it's all done so straight, too. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, they just play it off so cool, uh, casual. Then, like, the werewolves at the end are awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, are they of London? 
Yeah, because it takes okay. place. Yeah. <clears throat> but they're werewolves that one. Yeah. Never mind. Ball's making references. Uh, oh, my goodness. I like that song. It's one of my favorites. But it's definitely um, definitely a fun movie. It's definitely something I think people should check out if you're interested in that. Yeah, especially because it's on Netflix. I mean, if you're already paying for Netflix, hey, you don't have to worry about putting down anything to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about not needing to put anything down, it's the holiday season here, so... Uh, I get some DVDs, and I, I give DVDs for the holiday season. And uh, my parents really enjoyed watching Mission Impossible Ro- Rogue Nation. So I gave my mom, for Christmas, uh, the two most recent Mission Impossible movies on Blu-ray. And they had me <coughs> over for dinner, and I uh, was able to watch Rogue Nation. I watched Ghost Protocol with them here at my place uh, about a year ago, and that's really kicked it off. And let me tell you, you know, I, I they're fun. They're just fun movies. Simon Pegg is really enjoyable in them. He brings just that nice comedic beat to break up those action and stuff. And uh, Tom Cruise, say what you will about the guy, but man, the stunts that he's able to pull off are amazing. For being uh, in his 50s, he's yeah. 53. You know, it's it's just it's great. You know, they're a lot of fun. Um What's nice about this is there isn't that, you know, like, he's 53, he's an action star, but it's the Mission Impossible, but there's no, they didn't really play up that, like, sexual tension and stuff between, like, two characters. There was a more and more, more attractive girl, but they just let the action just be action. And it isn't, like, that weird, like, oh, the 53 year old hitting on, like, a 21 year old, like, kind of creepy stuff. Um, a little bit, but not over the top. And I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun watching it, like, basically the day after Christmas. So. Uh, I watched it on Christmas. Um, the one complaint I have <laughs> is the villain. I wanted that villain to be more villainous. He, I kept on looking at him like they casted him because he looks like a thin, young version of John Voight from that first Mission Impossible, that first Tom Cruise Mission Impossible movie, right? Like, the haircut and everything. I'm like, he's supposed to make me think that of oh, that first well, John Voight. John Voight has a chin. This guy didn't have a chin. Right. He had a weird neck, and he kept wearing turtlenecks. No, but you have these moments where that villain was like, he show him like holding himself back, like mm-hmm. about to unleash like crazy, like blow up everything, like right. He and you never have that. He's very controlled, and then he, you know, he just gets suckered. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's the guy that plans out everything and is playing basically doing. He's he's the shadow guy working in the in the background. Everything's nuanced. Everything's planned out. Everything's methodical. So when he's moving the puzzle pieces around, and they don't line up exactly where he thought they would, like that's all that's all it is. Like it's oh well, I guess I lost this chess match. You know, that was fun. Yeah, I didn't um I didn't hate it. It's my number three. Yeah, granted, I only see very few movies every year. <laughs> I think yeah. I think um, Ghost Protocol was oh. was better. Uh, you know what? I, I'm going to have to watch them kind of back to back. I I do enjoy Ghost Pro- Protocol quite a bit, but Rogue Nation was a lot of fun. Chris, see, uh, this is the year that I've probably seen the least movies in my entire life. Mm. Um, which is really depressing because there was a lot of stuff coming out that I was looking forward to that I still just haven't seen, uh, like Mad Max probably be like the big one because I've heard nothing but great things about that and 
I just hate the fact that I haven't had a chance to catch up on it yet. But one of the movies that I actually did go see, um, I saw it multiple times too, is Ant Man. Hmm. And Paul, I'm surprised that you still haven't seen this still one. Still have because not seen it. it. It has everything that you want from a Marvel movie in it, but it's done in such a more like low key manner. Like it's not like huge, crazy world ending crisis, um, and that's why I put this one on my list and not something like Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like uh, I love Avengers, but it's I, I've seen it now, and it's not a surprise that I'm going to continue to enjoy it. Um, I, I would Paul have. Sorry? No, go ahead, Chris. Uh, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang is someone that I want to see more of in the Marvel Universe, and I'm glad we're going to be getting him over it. Uh, not just Ant-Man 2, but also in Civil War. Um, I'd, and I'd have to say, I think Ant-Man is a better movie than Age of Ultron. I can, I can it, it has heart to it. It's and it, it tells a story. It's a close-knit like group of characters, like... If I went over to somebody's house, and this is kind of how I gauge these movies at, too. If I went over to somebody's house and they said, oh, do you want to watch Ant-Man or Avengers? I would say Ant-Man. And then two days later, if I went over to that person's house again and they said, oh, uh, do you want to watch Avengers? I'd say, hey, can we watch Ant-Man again? Um, because it was. It was so much fun. And um, I, I liked everything about it uh the humor was perfect in it casting was great i think michael douglas um was great in that movie and sold harry uh hank pym yeah um and yeah i mean paul rudd is that character you know he is scott lang he's perfect for it i mean it, the, the paul rudd love continues into 2016 because <laughs> Why not? It's been a while since we've been a Paul Rudd podcast, but hey, we're back, guys. Oh, <coughs> I think we've always been a Paul Rudd. He just hasn't done anything with enough nerd cred for us. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is a great pick, and one of the reasons it's not my number three on my list was because I figured somebody else was going to say it, <coughs> and I figured Chris. I, I'm uh, on Amazon right now, so I'm ready to order. <laughs> And are, are you using uh, bangboard.com backslash Amazon to order oh, that so shoot. we can help out I the bangboard cast? Never mind. First, we're going to go to the... What is <laughs> well, that again? the one that shops on Amazon the most. I know. Bangboard.com slash Amazon? Yes. Or you can just go to our website and click the Amazon No, no, Amazon. I, I, I did that right then. Just oh, did yeah. that. Now, I'm, now my cart is there. Okay, uh, guys, keep on talking about what great movies there were this year that well, I could buy. Well, I was going to throw it over to you to say, Paul, what's your number two? Uh, my two is uh, one of the movies that I did get to see in theaters. It was uh, Avengers <coughs> Age of Ultron. Ah. Fun. Uh, it's not as good as that first one. Um, Do you know why this is your number two? Because it's number two. No, because you didn't see Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be your number one. It's in my cart. My begnumboard.com slash <laughs> Amazon cart right now. Uh, I did feel a little. I did feel like the vision parts were a little bit of little wonky in it. I like the um, vision parts. Yeah, I think the vision parts are great because honestly, that's the freshness in that movie. Like you've seen all these other characters before, you know how they are. You know how they interact with everyone else. No, see, uh, okay. Like ahead. vision was like that breath of fresh air in there. No, because he was he was that unknown like unquantifiable like piece to it. The breath of fresh air were those party <coughs> scenes. I thought. 
like when when War Machine's like, "Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I did this?" And then Iron Man comes over and says, "Like, yeah, no, that's an Iron Man story. This is, you know." <laughs> and then you like War Machine, you have no stories. And then when they're all trying to pick up the hammer, like more getting those scenes of just interaction, and then also uh, the scene of Hawk Hawkeye with his family, like. See that's that was a, awesome. Hawkeye with his family took me out of the movie. See, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is this is what he's fighting for. This is, and you know what? I can understand that's what he's fighting for is his family. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's just uh, the, he's a normal guy, and this cements him as the normal guy in the Avengers. See, the the part that cements him is when he's in that room with the Scarlet Witch it's saying, for, "For me, like even." Go ahead, Chris. Okay, sorry. Um, for me, like even just watching those scenes, that felt to me it was more like, oh, people were complaining we didn't do enough with Hawkeye. Let's you know put in a B plot here. Oh, that touched my heart. Those those touched my heart. See where where those vision scenes hit for you. These other scenes I I guess missed for you hit for me, and that's and that's fine. That's. I think that's a mark of a good movie where there's bits and pieces that, yeah, that each people can walk away with something different. Yeah, yeah, something. Because yeah, um, and my favorite part with Hawkeye is that scene where he's just like, "I'm just a guy with a bow, mm-hmm. and I'm going back out there. You have superpowers. Yeah. You make up your mind what you're going to do." <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's and that's awesome. I think I that's, love it when he's driving with Black Black Widow, and he's like. No, I'm pretty much done with the house, except, you know, I'm thinking about putting another room. After I put another room on the house, I'm done. And you know what I really liked about The Avengers number two? It's that all that, <laughs> all the scenes, all the scenes that were like, oh, man, I'm really enjoying Hawkeye. He's such a great, normal guy. You know what they didn't do? They didn't kill him. <laughs> he Spoilers. Uh, Sorry, guys. Yeah, I would have expected uh, that. Not, not dead. Every other Joss Whedon, I thought he was going to totally be a leaf on the wind. Because I was getting like, shit, this is his leaf on the wind moment. Spoilers for Serenity. Well, it was his leaf on the wind moment. And then Quicksilver took that. I mean, Quicksilver said, I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. And that cements Hawkeye even more into, Mm -hmm. to him, that debt to even Scarlet Witch. Yeah, like to the Avengers. Now, now he's not just doing it because, you know, a sense of duty. He's doing it because now he feels like he, it's owed. Like he he owes something. Like what is he getting? The life that he gets to live now is what the Avengers gave to him, and he's mm-hmm. always going to have to go back to the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably why he's on Cap's side. In mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be so good. Civil War. I, Civil War. I love Captain America: Winter Soldier. Um, my favorite of the Marvel movies so far. Chris, your number two? Um, my number two is also a movie that I went to see this year. Funny how that works out. <coughs> um, but this is actually going to be Jurassic World. And the reason being, it captured everything that I loved about the original Jurassic Park, and then I lost over like the subsequent sequels. Um, it, it took me back to it, and I know it did that for a lot of people, which is why it was such like a highly rated and high-ranked film, because it was like going back to the park again. And just seeing how everything operates and inevitably how everything always will fall apart. It was great. And there was like just such a sense of fun with this. Chris Pratt is awesome. Like I will see him in anything now. Um, uh, and I probably said that after I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. But hey, you know what? Like this cements it. 
Uh, definitely. <laughs> this is another one of these movies that I said, the other guys are going to pick, so I don't have to pick it. Uh, and yeah, this movie was great. It delivered. It more than delivered, because I went in expecting X, and I got, you know, you know Y and Z with it. And uh, I definitely, it's definitely a movie that I really enjoyed. And when I sat down and I was making my list, I said to uh, future wife, I said, what what were your favorite movies of this? Because I've seen almost everything with her. Uh, I said, what, are, what were your favorite movies? And she said, my number one, uh, my number two, and Jurassic World. Coming this summer, a romantic comedy that is out of time. <laughs> the future wife. Future wife. <laughs> The future. I don't know. It made me giggle when you said it. I I don't like saying maybe because I've been Russian imperial. I don't like saying fiance because then when I say it, I always go fiance. Future wife. Future wife. I think it sounds better. Paul, I don't remember. Did you see Jurassic World? No, I have not. Okay. But I would have been on your list. Would it? I think so. Uh, It has has Bryce Dallas Howard in it, and I think you would like her. Yeah, I think she's the lady in the water, right? Yes. Yes. And she was also the bad girlfriend in Fifty Fifty, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I, one, I, don't, so I don't know. I don't know if I like her. She was um, Gwen Stacy oh, in three. Oh. In three. Yeah. It's still not a big. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. Um. Well, I'm, I'm looking up the yes, Bryce Dallas Howard was Rachel, who was the bad girlfriend. Yeah. I wanted to go last for this um, because my number two is Star Wars Force Awakens. Well, you're just wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, I think you know we talked about it in the news with that, all of its grossing uh, every week. Um, I can't wait to talk to Chris and Paul about it off show. Um, we made Paul last time we recorded get out of the room so Chris and I could talk mm-hmm. about it for you know 15 minutes and then be like, all right, Paul, you can come back in. Um, but this movie was great, and I figured it was going to be one of your guys' number ones. Uh, so yeah, great, great movie. It's everything I wanted and loved about Star Wars. Yeah, I mean that's exactly why it is my number one. And Paul, what's? Oh yeah, yeah it's definitely uh, my number one as well. Yeah, because. They did such a great job of keeping everything so close to the chest where they gave you enough hints about what was going to happen, but you never knew. Um, everything that you were able to figure out from the movie was just what you were able to pick up while you were actually watching it. Um, it's kind of like you were saying, like, they telegraphed their emotions like, there it is, yeah. like five minutes beforehand, but you still want to see it happen. You want to see it play out. Um, or, or you're just hoping desperately for the opposite to happen because you're like, <laughs> Oh my goodness! This will be such a different movie than I would ever get to watch ever if it just the opposite plays out. And I think too, if you just just watch it mm-hmm. and not plan ahead or just not try was, to see that foreshadowing. And everybody, it's always different for everybody yeah. else. I couldn't and, do it. Like I, I tried. I, I was watching it, and I'm like, I had my uh, my whole family, the McGowans, went to see it. Much like last year when uh, uh, we watched the last Hobbit together. Uh, yeah, which you know. which the Weatherwaxes sat behind you. <laughs> it's a family movie. It's December. It's the McGowan family movie uh, uh, meetup. So <laughs> all the siblings get together with the parents, and I love it. It's one of my favorite holiday traditions. We do it basically because my mom's birthday's in December, and we we've had the Lord of the Rings, we've had the Hobbit, and now we get to have Star Wars. 
you know, but unfortunately, Star Wars is going to be coming out in May, right? Uh, March, yeah. I think. Uh, why? Just make, just do it as a holiday <laughs> tradition, just for us McGowan's. Um, but you get the tradition of watching a DVD. There won't yeah. be a uh, Mission yeah, Impossible after, next. Right, right after Christmas, which is nice with my family. I, I do really enjoy that because the thing with my parents is they just want to love things, and it's so much fun to watch the things with them because. Even if it's Indiana Jones and the Christmas Skull, which has a lot of problems, the first five minutes of just talking to my dad and my mom about it, like we're we're able to find the fun parts, you know, and just enjoy it. Unfortunately, um, you know, I could hear next to me uh, my brother and his his uh, wife kind of saying, "Oh, this is just like this movie," and I was trying to be like. Yeah, that's fine. I, I understand it's just like that movie, but that's what makes it good. Why is that a complaint? Yeah. I just want to love this right now. Just let me yeah. love, you know? Yeah, and and even when I was watching it and I saw like mm-hmm. different pieces, like I even had that epiphany in the movie, like, ah, it's just like New Hope. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, Yo, okay, let's go. You know, so yeah, this this edges out Jurassic World for those reasons. It has everything that made you love Star Wars in the first place, but it's updated and tweaked, and it like harkens back to what you liked instead of just like rehashing it. And on that note, I'm going to say my number one because if you thought Star Wars was a nice, fast-paced movie, oh, hold on, let me get to bagnumboard.com/slash/amazon. Uh, you too missed out on Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, Mad Max. You're not going to do that. But this was the absolute best movie of the summer, in my in my opinion. Uh, and it, like you just said, mm-hmm. what Chris is sentence right before I started speaking, this movie does that too. Um, mm-hmm. Mad Max series was something that I loved growing up. I was very excited about this movie, and it delivered everything. Action- action action packed never stopped moving uh in changing um max's for the better tom hardy delivered on playing max and those moments where you know it he just like hold on a minute and like disappears in the shadows then comes back dragging a dead body and uh, uh a bunch of guns and saying all right let's not now let's move like those moments were great Visually just beautiful, stunning, you know, the perfect uses of colors. Uh, I can't wait to see it again. And it's that same thing. If you put Star Wars and Mad Max in front of me, which DVD would I pick to watch? I would pick Mad Max. That's a big one. Ballsy move there, sir. (laughs) Contact at (laughs) BeganmoreCast.com for all your emails. You can also comment on it on our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, so then, like, let's move into beers. I didn't know if you guys were going to pick individual beers that you thought hit or uh, companies. And I, I went I with companies. I went with companies too. Yeah, I could do companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say my list is all breweries that I had left behind and had really no attachment for that have come through. And wowed me again, and I'm just like, oh, I, I forgot about them. I do have to say, 2015 uh, was the year that I visited the most breweries I've ever visited. Uh, uh, same. A Michigan trip, uh, 
also uh, just here in Buffalo going to breweries. Uh, so I, I think I really put my feelers out there. <laughs> so, yeah. Chris, uh, you also moved, you know, basically you, you have taken a tour of the greater uh, Atlantic region of the United States of America. So I have, and it kind of hurts the fact that I haven't been to any breweries since I've moved down here. Um like there's some close by, but nothing that's like within spitting distance, like it was when I lived in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. But also something that I just learned is uh, Florida just actually redid their uh, liquor laws, where they can now sell growlers. Like back in July, like right when I moved here, mm-hmm. so it's still not something like it is in Buffalo or Grand Rapids, where it's like, hey, you can go to a brewery and then like fill a growler. Like that's still something that they're just starting off with here. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, in New York, it took while well, we were uh, doing the podcast, like to basically finalize like all the growler rules. Like originally, with the growler fills, you had to have the uh, Surgeon General warning on it, and now yeah. it's kind of like I don't think anybody cares. <laughs> like, yeah, if you're you know? filling up a growler, you know that you're buying alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah you you know what you're doing at that point. <clears throat> right. but who wants to, who wants to start it off? Uh, I'm going to start with uh, my number three which was Smutty Nose. Uh, Smutty Nose is one of those breweries I had totally left behind. Yep, Paul's showing me that well, Smutty Nose was his as well. Well, a little different, and we'll get into it. Um, because I, it was one of those breweries that I, I, I compare all brown ales to Smutty Nose's brown ale. Mm-hmm. But I haven't had Smutty Nose's brown ale in probably like five or more years. Right. And somebody had brought the IPA over to my house at a party, and I started drinking. The finest. Finest? Finest yeah, kind? Finest kind, IPA. IPA. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is a really good IPA. It's nothing that wows you, but it's a great drinking beer. And I think that's what Smutty Nose does is they deliver great drinking beers. And when we had our friend party, the Fry Party, I brought a 12-pack uh, variety over mm-hmm. And then their pale ale, the Shoals Pale Ale, oh, is really good. probably one of the best pale ales I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And um, ever since then, I'm looking at Smutty Nose. I'm looking at what they're doing. And they may not have delivered super hard with their one Christmas release that I had had, but Chris had their other Christmas release and said it was great. Yeah, you know? the, um, oh, what was it called, like Missile Nose or something? It was like a a pun. But yeah, yeah, it was it was solid to have what I was looking for in a Christmas beer. And that's it's the closest what... thing I got to Christmas down here. Because <laughs> today it was like sixty and raining this morning. Like that's that's as cold as it's gotten. Yeah. We have a uh, lake effect snow warning in effect from one o'clock until basically one a.m. tomorrow. Uh, com- complete sidebar conversation it has nothing to do with anything for the look back. Um, I was watching like old episodes of The Office on Netflix the other night, and in one of them it was like snowing outside the window in Michael's office. And I was just looking at that, being like, I kind of miss a little bit of snow, but but not how cold it gets. Oh, okay. So not the uh, Chris, the uh, classy Christmas first episode where Michael, uh, where there <laughs> somebody's like, been watching. <laughs> I've been watching them uh, where Dwight and. Uh, What's the gym get into the snowball fight? Uh, no, um, that, it was a later episode. It was one of the ones where um, Dwight actually leaves Dunder Mifflin to okay. go work at Staples, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael leaves the 
topped out in his convertible because he All can't right. get it to go back up. I remember. Man, I just watched the uh, episodes where Michael leaves, mm-hmm. and man, that had me tearing up. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's rough because when he's like, yeah, this is gonna hurt like a mother upper. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude. But you know what? Whenever I left an office, it hasn't felt that way. <laughs> So but you're not I leaving a TV show. You're not yeah, a beloved character, Paul. I am. Not or, <laughs> or you are the beloved character. Other people felt the same way that you felt about Michael. People felt that way about you, where you didn't have anyone there that you liked. Ah. Wow. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. You're the Michael of your office. I am. Hard eye. <laughs> For good or bad, whatever that means. Yeah. So Paul and my pick were Smutty Nose. Paul? Well, well, I have a little bit of a tw- twist on that. Uh, you know, Smutty Nose, solid beers. Uh, what I like what they do is the Smutty Labs, the Smut Labs, and usually those are collaborations, especially with Stillwater Brewery. Stillwater Brewery, you know, is one of the ones that they come out with four packs, and they're really expensive, and mostly their four packs are like the IPAs and just solid stuff. They collaborate with Smutty Nose, and they come out with really interesting beers. Do you want, do you know what actually what happened with 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 Smut Labs? What uh, Smutty Nose left their brewery for a new one that they had built, and they left that there for some of their workers to just go to town and go crazy with. Mm-hmm. And they've also let it so other people can come in and brew in the area because it's all you know it's an mm-hmm. a, a running oh, functioning brewery. place. So when pe- they collaborate with people, it's because people have come in there to brew something special. Get talking with those other guys, and then they go, "Hey, we got an empty thing here. Let's we let's, got an empty let's, kettle. Let's go ahead do and something." It. Yeah, yeah. So smut labs. Like if I see a, a, a bomber of smut labs, I'm buying it. Uh, basically, this year it was uh, the spank, which was a brown, and it was just so delicious. It was so smooth. It was just so good. I'm like, oh shit, I I really like smutty nose. Was one of those brewers <laughs> that we would buy the variety pack and be like every. Let's open up another one. This is good. Ah, drink it, drink it, drink it. So pull pack, pop, pop, pop. You know, we we just loved them. And then, <laughs> pop, pop, pop. And, you know, which was different from, you know, when we first started the, the uh, our, our show. Because sometimes we would get uh, the uh, A12 pack, and each one of us would be like, well, I only like this one. And I only yeah. like this one. But Smutty Nose, Magic Cat. Like, so I always com- kind of compare the two where... Oh, they could do decent work, but they're not doing anything exceptional. I came back to the Smut Labs, and I'm like, no, they're doing something exceptional. They have top men working on some <laughs> stuff. They got top men working there. They're the guys they left are, They left at their old brewery. So they have exceptional work. So uh, Smutty knows what their Smut Lab is. It's uh, is where I'm at. I'm, yeah. From, from now on, 2016 is going to see a lot more of this, whatever they put out. I'm pulling. Yeah, no, I agree. So kind of um, slash with still water. Kinda. So I'm excited <laughs> for that tasting coming up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've got to go then. Mm-hmm. I was going to see if we could uh, try to interview that guy. Oh, cool. Yeah. We should try to get Scott on for That's and what then I was we thinking. could do a dual episode with uh, Western New York Brewers. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> All background baseball. <laughs> background, inside baseball. Back, background baseball. Background baseball. Um. Mine is a brewery that I didn't really have before I moved down here because they are Florida-based brewing. Um, but this is Florida Beer Company. Um, they're probably one of the breweries that I've had the most of since I got down here because I spent a lot of my time either at um, 
well, my apartment drinking or at Universal Studios drinking. And they brew all the beers for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, Springfield, USA. And now with the recently opened NBC Grill and Brew, they do three specialty beers for there, too. And everything I've had from them has just been knockout stuff. Um, so it's definitely something I definitely want to pay more attention to and just keep an eye on them. They are basically the opposite of, what is it, CBW? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because CBW here in Western New York does the specialty beers for a bunch of the different bars around. Uh, most. I don't even think they do Duff. that anymore. They did the Duff. Yeah, because community, community Beer Works started doing that. Oh, yeah. good. Well, they, they also, um, we're talking about uh, custom, uh, custom, custom brew crafters. crafters. Yeah, yeah, CBC, yeah. And they used to do for, here in Buffalo, you either go to Anchor Bar or Duff's. Like, those are the two big names. The SC Not Food Network. Pizza Plant. They did Pizza Plants for a little bit. Um, they would do the specialty beers for these places. Alt Brews. Bad. It was... Um, they did the Hazelnut for Alt yeah, Brews, right? they did. Which was great. Which I liked. Okay. Yeah, that was really good. But they were a, a brewery that brewed beers for other people and then tried to get into their own brewing. And they always fell short because they wouldn't... They had so many contracts out there that they wouldn't give their own beer enough time. Like they only put it through one fermentation and we, we went there one year for my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, to take, and we took the tour there and like, you know, it's not great because, it, Oh, we use extracts. Yeah. They're like, Oh yeah. yeah we, we, to flavor the beer, it's all extracts. Like they don't, because you use extracts because you don't have time to do the full beer. So you're going to get that chemically kind of just off flavor yeah. in your beer. And then they became um, they be, they started brewing their own beer, and I do not recommend anyone to try them. And anytime anyone said they've had it, I go, "Was it good?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, not really. Yeah, uh, Florida Beer Company, complete opposite. Yeah, well, it's just great. That's good news. That's good. News. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, the couple beers that we had down there were really good. All right, who wants to spoil my next pick? Um, Paul, just go ahead. Go, what's your number two? Uh, brewery that we get to visit and a, and a restaurant we got to visit, which I think uh, just looks great. Just really, uh, you know, founders I already loved. Like, so I can't pick founders. <laughs> but from the Michigan trip, New Holland. Yeah. Just like. N- New Holland is actually my number two as well, so we can, uh, we can see? talk about this together. I, I figured uh, that somebody else would pick this. Uh, I, I do really love their Dragon's Milk Stout. Um, and who brought that first to the table? You did. That's right. Me, not Chris. Remember that. Yes, I will. <laughs> but uh, just going there, I just fell in love with the place. I, I think it has a really nice scene. It, the restaurant's amazing. We actually ate dinner there. Uh, the, the beer that they produce is all wonderful. Uh, if, and even, and even if you don't yeah. like it all, but their um, spirits, like... They're hard liquors that they do. They're okay. Some of those are good, too. Well, you say you're they're okay because you brought home something that you were expecting. I also brought home the bur- bar- uh, barrel, the beer barrel-aged bourbon, which is basically the opposite. It's bourbon aged in a beer barrel. Beer barrel. So technically, it's not a bourbon because to be technically a bourbon, it has to be a virgin white oak cast. Uh Oak barrel. Well, aged. it's a bourbon. It's a bourbon barrel that was it's a used mash aged in a <laughs> a beer barrel. 
a barrel that previously was used to, for mm. bourbon, and then they aged a beer sure. in a yeah. bourbon barrel, and then used that barrel again to mm. make a mash. Um, yeah, make a new whiskey mash. I, I'll say this though: that gin that I brought home was a, it was great. It was okay. a great gin. See, I, I See, screwed up. I actually I, I like the uh, beer barrel bourbon just because it was so like mellow. Like, it is. Yeah, was, and that, that's my problem. It was with it. so drinkable, and I actually use that for like, cooking everything. Like when I would pick up that bottle, it's too. It, it, it's left me. like a really nice flavor. Yeah, and I mean, Paul, at this point, I've given you exceptional bourbons yeah, yeah. every year for the last couple of years. So you are I'm spoiled. You're a little bourbon snob. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bourbon snob, but man, they, but if that, uh, I love their. Uh, <laughs> bourbon barrel aged uh, dragon's milk. I'll, yeah. I'll pick that up every um, time. The, the Pilgrim's Dole is fantastic. That's probably like one of my all time favorite beers. We have one of their beers aging downstairs, yeah. which I think we were waiting for the next time Chris came back to uh, drink. Was it the Pilgrim's Dole? Was it the or the other one? I, I don't. Like, know. I don't remember. remember. It was one of the aged ones. Because mm-hmm. then they had uh, the pumpkin beer too. It, it wasn't the pumpkin. pumpkin. Was it the one that where they worked with Carhartt? The Copper Penny? Oh, Carhartt Woodsman, yeah. Oh, that the Carhartt Woodsman, yeah. yeah. That Copper Penny would drain pour that. Yeah. Oh, that's that's <laughs> from like a long time ago. Yeah. But I, I really like them. It was neck and neck because I was thinking about my Michigan trip. Which one of the two? It was either Arcadia or New Holland. They were neck and neck because I already loved If I was just going to rate the top brewery from Michigan, it would be Founders, hands down, because that atmosphere, that whole place is beautiful, it's crazy, it's fun, it's vibrant, it's alive. It's what I want Buffalo breweries to become, Mm -hmm. a venue for entertainment, a venue just to go during the day to get lunch and a beer. It's, But uh, so I already knew that going in, though. So yeah. my surprise, my top pick for 2015 is definitely going to be New Holland because that place is wonderful and cool. It's it's got the where Founders is that kind of a, a cabin in the cabin kind of feel where it's all wood and it's all craftsman. It's New Holland is more modern. It's more sleek. It's more streamlined. It's, okay, yeah, it's I, cool looking. I, yeah, I see it exactly. I, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, Chris, what was no, your I, I, I love New Holland, and it's a place that I definitely would love to go back to and revisit again. Just even if I oh, yeah. only get the like their normal beers that they always have, like their uh, poet, the oatmeal milk stout, mm-hmm. or anything. Like yeah. it, it would be worth the trip just to have those, and then like anything extra or like limited release that they have there. That's just a bonus. Um, Sorry, what was your question? I cut you off. No, no, I was going to say what was yours, but New Holland was your number two as well, right? Yeah, New Holland was my number two, yeah. Uh, And my number two is something we drank today, which was Otter Creek. Oh, really? Is this including Wolvers, which they also own, which is their, like... Organic. Organic version? Uh, Or is this just straight up? It's just going to be straight up Otter Creek. Um, because it's something that, you know, their stovepipe porter was my favorite porter until I had Edmunds Fitzgerald. Um, the Russian Imperial blew my socks off, you know, two years ago, three years ago. But it was still like, oh, I was, wasn't expecting that from that brewery. And then this year I went and I had their black IPA. And I said, damn, that is a good black IPA. 
which then made me say, you know what? I've liked Stovepipe Porter, the Russian Imperial. I think this is a great black IPA. And this year, I was buying their Couch Surfer Stout. I was buying their um, White IPA. I was buying their regular IPA. I was buying their double IPA. It was probably one of the breweries I spent more money on than any other brewery, except for my number one uh, that I'll be mentioning soon. But, um, yeah, Otter Creek, everything I've been getting from them delivers and is a great IPA, a great white IPA. It replaces Saranac's white IPA for white IPAs for me for the summer. And... uh, that's that's my number two pick. You want to go uh, first for number one? Why don't you go first for number one? Because Paul and me have the exact same one for number one. Okay, I, I don't think mine's going to be a surprise. Um, kind of where you were saying, like, this is a brewery that you spent the most money on over the past year. Mine is a clear winner for that because I would go there and get, like, two or three growlers filled and then while I was sitting there, I would get, like, one or two beers. Um, it's the place I would go to after work just for a sandwich or the place I would go to, like, on a date night. And it was, uh, the, this place, is Founders. It was the place that yeah. Paul and I would, like, fuck that dude that he lives yeah. right down the street from Founders. <laughs> and it, it's such a great brewery that even on just, like, a normal year, it'd be, like, a front runner for mm-hmm. number one just because everything they put out is fantastic. Even the beers that I don't normally appreciate, like a pale ale, like... If you get a Founders Pale, it's going to be good. Um, all day, like IPA is one of my favorite sessions. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. I'm glad I can still find all day IPA just in like cases down here. Like it's mm-hmm. it's still readily available to me, and it might take a little bit longer, but I know that I can still get their limited release stuff here too, and it's definitely something that I keep an eye out for. But having the ability to go to the brewery, not just to like get those beers but also just the stuff that they brew especially for the tap room um like the limited one-offs when they do their like seller rate series where like they'll pull out kbs from like three years ago and then like the cbs like they pull that out from two years ago it was such a great experience just being there um even just on like the regular days that i i'd have the afternoon off and i'd go there get lunch and a beer and like type up an article for like one of the websites like it was a great experience, and it kind of ties into everything that you were saying before, Paul, where mm-hmm. it's a great homey atmosphere that it was just nice being there. And mm-hmm. then awesome beer on top of it. What's not to love? Yeah. And they do a Farkin like every weekend? Is that- um, yeah. Every Tuesday and Thursday they have Farkins. Like, <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah. And then like sometimes if you got there – like later on at night they might be out of it but sometimes they would still have it southern tier could become that if it was closer to anything yeah it's too if far it was, away it's too far away from it's all farm country near them so it's like they it's, need to open up like something here outside of buffalo there's no streamlined way to get there yeah. either it's no. like back roads twisting turning yeah. it's just you know and southern tier is the closest we got to that uh, right now and I'm going to say my number one, which is also mm-hmm. your number one, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, is the beer that it was our Michigan trip that I said, what the hell? This mm-hmm. this brewery brews beers that I like? I, I expect this to be lower on your list, but I knew it would be on your list. Mm-hmm. Clown shoes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it goes back to even like when I was like trying the clown shoes because it's 
what I could find when I was in Michigan because they they had a lot of it there, and I was like, wow, clown shoes is actually like mm-hmm. really good if you stay away from like the stuff that you can just find everywhere. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was Ride the Lion, the Scotch Ale aged like in either bourbon or rye barrels mm-hmm. um, that we had down there, and man, everything we've had has just been great, and we've been getting their bourbon aged stuff, but I mm-hmm. think they do. An amazing job on their barrel-aged beers for an amazing price point. And we've been sitting on uh, one for the last couple of weeks just because we haven't gotten around to, to, drinking, to it. drinking it. Because we want to find a, a good time to drink it. Yeah. And well, if you, if right you, now we're drinking. Uh, we're reading Blakorn Unidragon, their Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah. That which, one got me messed up when I had it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, drinking the full bomber, I can understand. Because yeah, I'm feeling it. But uh, granted, I had we had two ten percent beer. beers. Yeah, and well, uh, we had one. T- we split yeah. two. We so split two, but yeah, but this is a twelve point five percent beer. Um, a lot hoppier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> when I took a, my first smell of it, I was like, "Wow, this smells like rye." It yeah. has a nice rye kind of nose and, to it. You know, it says it's a. Uh, imbued with a monstrous amount of dark malts and aggressive mm-hmm. hops. And those aggressive hops do really yeah. pop in this beer. Uh, right where you would uh, where you would expect all that smoky-likeness to just hit as soon as you take your sip. That's where the hop pops. And, and that lingers up in the front. And then the smoke comes, lingers on the back of, of, of your tongue. And here's the thing. I want to go buy two more bottles of this because... Uh, it's a powerful and complex brew designed to improve with age. Because the hops are going to go away. So yeah. I can see this just like in a year, oh, yeah. just all smoke on so the back end. I'm going to be picking up a couple out of these and putting it in our cellar um, for later shows. Very good. Um, makes me think of when we, we complained about... Um, Union Jack? No. Um, the Victory Brewery. Uh, oh, the Storm, Storm King. Storm King, when it was too hoppy. Mm-hmm. Um, when it because it wasn't yeah. hop- It wasn't yeah. originally hoppy, and then all of a sudden it got hoppy. Uh, makes me think a lot of that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. And it's definitely shifting gears from um, the Russian Imperials that we had mm-hmm. from Otter Creek. But yeah, Clown Shoes was one of those ones that I had to say number one. Yeah. That... That um, we heavy we had aged in thirty year old cognac bottles or yeah. barrels so was floored me. The thing is, uh, why it's my number one is it's basically the uh, most improved player award. Yes, it is. It's because when we tried them out for the first time, we were just drying their like normal four pack, six packs kind of stuff, and we're like, Ugh. You know, yeah. ugh. And why would I spend this much money on a bomber right. if I didn't like their normal stuff? And this year, we, you know, Caitlin brought, yeah, you know, Caitlin brought us, yeah, Future Wife brought us a lot of uh, from the future. Yep. Brought, brought us a bunch of them because we liked them so much. Mm-hmm. She kept buying them, and they just, I just turned a corner on them. And I'm maybe partly because my palate has changed because basically we tried to clown shoes we, like, during our first or second year yeah and we've tried clown shoes a couple times mm-hmm. and some of their other some of their stuff have delivered like their mm-hmm. galaxy or party crasher ipa mm-hmm. but that red ale aged in bourbon barrels the rex mm-hmm. yeah was just I, i've bought that three times now like so, it's just so good and it's so cheap for a barrel aged beer that's so mm-hmm. well done 
And like last year, I think all of us would have agreed it would have been Anderson Valley with their Wild Turkey mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Like those were beers that delivered. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Anderson Valley's other beers. Yeah. Yeah, I but, would only get their bombers. But their wild, their wild turkey series mm-hmm. are all amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, in clown shoes, like this beer here is not a barrel aged one. I like it a lot. Like I said, I'm yeah. gonna go buy a couple bottles and I put them in my cellar. It's so good though. I want to drink it right now. <laughs> yeah, but we, for all the things that we have, you still have KBS in your cellar. You haven't yeah. had, and that's mine. <laughs> and that's yours. So I don't know what your problem is with those. I was you, going to drink it during my birthday, and then I, you know, didn't. Well, because. you're also the guy that's like one year on it. You're yeah. about to put three years on <laughs> yeah. that, that yeah. bottle. I know. So, you know yeah. why? Special occasion. I got to split with somebody I love. Yeah. Aww. I got to have you guys here. So maybe <laughs> end of January. Open yeah, up. yeah, when Chris comes. Hey. Um. All right, so... You want to? Do we want to talk about our books or our picks for writer artist? All right, my well, okay. I'll just start off with uh, my breakout writer and artist. I'm going to do them both together because we've been going an hour and a half already. All right, okay. Um, these both have been, you know, people that I've kind of paid attention to a little here and there, but for whatever reason, I'm like, yeah. You know what? I'm going to follow them on whatever they do now. Um, that's Dennis Hopeless because of his work on Spider-Woman this year. Yeah. And then Fiona Staples because of her work on Archie this year. Fiona Staples I've liked you know, throughout uh, my comic book reading experience. But uh, Dennis Hopeless is one of those guys that have has done everything from uh, Avengers Underground and all these other little projects over at Marvel. But... You know, but he does that well, I think. Those little small offshoot products uh, for Marvel that aren't tied into the bigger continuity, but spring out of that bigger continuity. And um, Fiona Staples, you know, it's Archie. It's a book that I shouldn't enjoy, <laughs> but man, it's so well done by you know, written by Mark Wade and so well drawn. These characters look different. It's not Becky and Veronica. Oh, one's blonde and one's brunette. They are actually two separate people, two definitely separate entities. Even if Veronica were to dye her hair blonde in the next issue, I'd be able to tell them apart. Yeah. And I think that's a that's that's speaking volumes on an artist in the comic book genre, where most of the time comic book artists are like, well, I need to know the costume so we can tell them all apart. And uh, so those are my two like. Stars to look out for in 2016, or you know, people that I've really loved in 2015. However, we're describing this, Chris. Um, uh, everything Paul was saying about Fiona Staples kind of like sold me on picking her because Archie is -hmm. still kind of on the like the edge of being one of my top three books from the year. You want to know why? And then everything Paul was saying, I was like, yeah, yeah, like it was telling Archie a little bit more for me. Because, because there's I mean, only I've, been three issues so far. <laughs> I've been loving um, Stables on Saga, but it's one thing to be able to do like a completely crazy out there book where mm-hmm. you're designing the look for it, and you don't really have to play into any expectations or any thoughts because it can be whatever you want it to be. But to sit down and tell a story about you know a group of teenagers like just living in mm-hmm. small town America and then be able to sell that book 
not just because of the writing, but because of that artwork. Like, yeah, like it, Fiona Staples for my for my artist as well. Um, my writer, I'm going with someone that's been around for a little bit, but this is actually the year that he really appeared on my radar. And this is going to be Nick Spencer from everything that he's done over on Ant-Man. Yeah. And then the, uh, oh, what was it, the uh, Incredible Foes of Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the Spider-Man book we did for the uh, trade policy. Like He just writes fun, relatable character stories. And it just so happens that the characters are either superheroes or supervillains. And he's, I mean, he's done some other stuff. He was on some titles that we picked up for the new number ones with, mm-hmm. that uh, Marvel was going to be putting out, and also um, some of the other Secret Wars stuff. Yeah, you yeah, basically he's, he's, shadowed me on my picks because Dennis Hopeless, everything you're seeing about Nick Spencer, I could say about Nick Hopeless. Yeah. Or Dennis and Hopeless, not Nick. What was I saying? They, I, I think they, they're basically like on the same page. Like, they, they've been around, but. They've been doing such, like, not, like, big marquee books, but they've been doing that stuff that just kind of flies under the radar. And this was the year that I bought the least amount of comic books ever, I think, you know, since I actually got back into reading comic books. And it really made me take a look at what I like about the comics. And that's not just characters, but writers and artists and what the general feeling of that book is for me. And, like, Dennis Hopeless and... Nick Spencer both do the same kind of thing. I mean, with Ant-Man and Spider-Woman, like you can sell those books to people the exact same way, but they're still like completely different books. (laughs) John? Uh, No, I I agree completely. Um, And the artist that I'm going to be picking is going to be Raymond Perez, who's on the all-new Hawkeye books. But we read... um, was it Sands of Time or just Sands? Yeah, Sands. Uh, yeah, from which they, uh, the the Henson book. The Henson, the, yeah. Thank you. Which I was not expecting. I was expecting to like. Story wise, was my favorite, but his art just mm-hmm. floored me. I was like, man, this guy's amazing. Which put him on a lookout for me. Forgot about him, and then when he started an all new Hawkeye or Hawkeye, mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, that's right. And when we reviewed the book, Chris said we read him on the Henson book. That I was just like, man, he f- the choices he does to distinguish flashbacks and what's going on currently in the book, everything he was doing with that Hawkeye book was just like, yeah, no, this is awesome. This guy is someone everybody should be talking about because his style is so interesting. It's so different. It's not the same that we're seeing everywhere and the fact that he can change that style for what he wants to do works for me. Uh, and then writer is going to be Curtis Weeby. Uh, Rat Queens might have come out in 2014, but we didn't start reading yeah. it till 2015. And uh, that's one of those series that I was like, wow, mm-hmm. crazy great. Uh, I had read Peter Panzer, the first volume, uh, I enjoyed it. I know Chris wasn't too much of a fan, but mm-hmm. I picked up volume two. I haven't gotten around to reading it yet, but I have it because I found that interesting. I didn't think it was a, a bad writing job. I, I was interested to continue on in that series. But Rat Queens is still something that I'm I'm picking up. It's probably one of my it was one of my favorite series for the year. Hmm. Do you wanna use that to head into our Top books then? Yes, yeah. I think so. 
Uh, yeah, and I'll I'll put that as my number. Now uh, that Rat Queens would be number two. So my number two is Rat Queens. <laughs> um, but my number three is I'm just gonna say it. Uh, the Star Wars books. Um, I don't know Kanan Vader. Uh, I don't think I read any of the Chewbacca. Um, Lando no, the Chewbacca. I dropped the ball on. Like it's one I'm gonna go back and like buy. But yeah, <laughs> Lando. Um, the Star Wars series, all of those, just great. I don't know the Lando heisty scoundrel guy or middle management Vader. Like, I don't know which one I like better. But I wanted to just group them all together because I thought everything they were doing with those Star Wars books were great. And they nailed it. And they had the perfect writers and the artists working together perfectly. No, and I think that's... It's definitely something worth mentioning because I almost did the exact same thing uh, because they all completely knock it out. Even the uh, the Shattered Empire, like the Road to the Force Awakens books, fantastic. Yeah. And I, about I think one. it shows that Marvel does care about not just putting like great teams on this, but having everything work well together. And the fact that we're still looking forward to these books coming out, like there was a C-3PO one that came out, which I still want to read. And then the Obi-Wan and Anakin book. Yeah. Like, they're, they're doing it, Peter. They're, make, they're making this work, you know, and I think that's awesome because as comic book and Star Wars fans, we've had like a terrible relationship with Star Wars in comic book form, but now we're finally getting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also my number three was Star Wars Shattered, Shattered Empire, just because all the excitement for Star Wars, you know, and <laughs> just that book series just, you know, with knowing who Poe's parents are, are yeah. is awesome. And, you know, yeah. and uh, it had great, you know, uh, assaulting the base and also a great look at pilots. And, man, I'm a big fan of the X-Wing video game, uh, computer game series. I want to be an A-Wing pilot. Like the, miniature, the miniature game, because we played that game. a couple times. Yep. If I can pilot an A-Wing, I'm going to pilot an A-Wing. Like, <laughs> just... Put me in coach. Uh, so Shattered Empire is echoing everything you guys said. It's it, it was a lot of fun, and Marvel is doing Star Wars right in the comics. I think yeah, definitely. And I also um, just ordered from BeggingBoardCast.com/slash <coughs> those movies that we talked about <laughs> on uh, Blu-ray. So they'll be coming in January sixth. <laughs> nice. Uh, my number three. It's a book that came out with the new 52 and it launched way back when, but it really didn't capture me until this creative team jumped onto it. And not only did it capture my attention, but it kind of captured the attention of the comic publishing world as a whole. And this is Batgirl um, (laughs) from Cameron Stewart and Bab Starr, because this led to pretty much the whole relaunching of the DC line. It became known as the Batgirling of DC Comics, where they started to tell those little bit more insular stories, not crazy, like, earth-shattering events every single issue. Um, but just, you know, Batgirl dealing with going to school and, you know, nightlife. <laughs> That's Batgirl. Yeah, and the but it, it's college so scene of, of Gotham. It's the Homewood district of... Of, of, of Gotham City. If you live in Buffalo, you understand what Homewood District is. Uh, it's <laughs> it, the it, Grand it, Rapids. Like, Whatever oh. like, the, the street is outside of your yeah. your college. Yeah. Like that main drag like down the road from it mm-hmm. where everyone goes. 
It's the Grand um, Rapids of Gotham. <laughs> this, this book just, it sold a completely different corner of, like, not just Gotham, but the DC universe. And I think it's awesome. And when I was talking about, like, what I look for in books now, this is, I think, a prime example of that, as well as, like, probably my number two would be. And you can't you can't tell, but I'm nodding in agreement with everything Chris was saying. Because, yeah, no, it was great. And it was what we, in the previous years, have found that we loved with Marvel was, mm-hmm. you know, the Hawkeyeing of these books. And, I mean, they've I think they did it extremely well with Batgirl. Yeah, uh, I agree. I, I, you, know, you say the Batgirling, and John says the Hawkeyeing. I'm like, the right sizing, the right cap. <laughs> You know, the the writing of the ship for DC is telling these personal stories through the lens of... And finding the characters that these stories work with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're like, oh, that, not that character, that character should be doing this. But then, no, it works better when you do it this way. We're still working, waiting for that awesome Manhunter series, Martian Manhunter series. I feel like it's out there somewhere. It is. Probably on Mars. (laughs) That's... Come on. No, don't put them on Mars. They did that before. It was horrible. Uh, Are we on number two? We're on number two. And my number two... Is this your number three, then? Star Wars was my number three. Okay. Number two, I'm going to say Rat Queens. Because it really... It delivered in these these niches that I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. And the fact that also in 2015 is when I got into D&D. You know? Mm -hmm. 2014, 2015... I got into D&D and that stuff. Uh, it fits in that world that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, yeah, Rec Queens. I think we've talked enough about it in the past that I'm cool just leaving it at that. Yeah, I, I agree. Rec Queens is great. I, I was thinking about it making the list, but I'm like, nope, John is going to pick it. <laughs> and he deserves to pick it. You know why? Because he buys it. You know what? I actually, it wasn't initially my number two. Uh, I had it. I just talked myself into it when I was talking about Curtis Weavey. Uh, my number two is, and it's only number two. It's really close to my number one. Uh, it's only getting into number two because it's only had the three issues that's come out this year, and that's Archie. Uh, a lot of fun Agreed. so far. It's just uh, an amazingly quiet story, but man, Archie's a lovable dude. Like he's he really he's the is. everyman. He's he is the quintessential middle America everyman in the new series written by Mark Wade, uh hurt by Fiona Staples. This is the only series of Archie that I'm reading. I'm not reading Life After Archie, I'm not reading reading Life with Archie. Or just Archie books. Or just Archie books themselves. This is interesting. It 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 I started watching uh, Girl Meets World this year on Netflix because it hit. And uh Archie is giving me everything I wanted from Girl Meets World. It, it feels like Boy Meets World from when I was a kid again. Just like, but that, those high school years. Not the, you know, original yeah. Mr. Feeney years. But when Mr. Feeney's in a principal. <laughs> uh, is a book that makes you kind of reminisce on your childhood. Not mm-hmm. your actual childhood, but what you watched. Yeah, that, America, that Americana childhood. Yeah. So... And that's what I'm loving. And who thought, like, a 50-, 60-year-old man would be able to capture that and write it perfectly? That that teenage. That that quintessential teenage. Teenage uh, je ne sais quoi. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's one of the great things about uh, Mark Waid is he can capture these characters. He did it with Daredevil a few years ago. He captured that character and made us all want to read that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the Archie, I was absolutely so surprised how much I enjoyed issue one that mm-hmm. I would go, well, who's picking up issue two? They're yeah. all there on my account, man. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I wish there was more. I, I've read them. <laughs> But yeah, they did a great job capturing that character and art. Mm-hmm. Like you said, art is great. Art, art everybody looks different. Mm-hmm. Where in some artists, everyone always kind of looks the same. And Jughead, what a lovable character! Yeah, who knew? Yeah, Jughead. All great. I knew is that guy wore a crown and liked cheeseburgers. Yeah, exactly. He's the politician oh. in the background, motivating everybody else. Chris, you you are in agreement, meaning it's your number two or. Um, I, I will stick with that as my number two. Like my list has kind of been in flux. Like I've just been like looking over everything I bought over the past year, being like, "Oh, that's that could be there. Well, that could be there then." Mm-hmm. But then I like this book. You know why? Um, because you but, pare down so much that it's really hard to choose between all the ones that you actually decided to keep reading. It, it, that's, that's probably the, what's happening. Like there's the, nothing that stand out because it's mm-hmm. all gold at this point. Yeah, that's it. That was my problem with the list this year as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Archie, I mean, everything that we said before, everything that we've been saying about since we talked about it um, for a monthly look back, it's it's delivering what I never knew I wanted from comics. And maybe it's just because I'm getting older now that I want those different kind of stories. Like, I don't need to have, like, four Green Lantern books, like, vying for, like, shelf space anymore. You know, like, I'm okay with, like, one book that tells, like, a heart-telling, like, or heart-wrenching story. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. Chris, that leaves you with your number one. Number number one is where it's going to be difficult because I have it pared down to two, and it's two books that we kind of talked about earlier with uh, like our creators that we mm-hmm. like cut our attention. I know nobody's picking my number one because I'm the only one reading it. So I'm not going to help you at all. There. Okay, I was I was hoping you were going to help me out. Nope. Um, uh, it's a tough call between Ant-Man and Spider-Woman. Okay. That's not because, what I'm picking, then. Like I said before, like they're both like telling the same kind of story, but a little bit different. I, I do appreciate that Ant-Man's got a little bit more humor to it. He's just like... Just that beat-down character, but he's still trying. Um, but honestly, like I never thought I'd be buying a Spider-Woman book, so I'm going to just give it up to uh, Dennis Hopeless. And I... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember the artist's name. Um, Rodriguez or something? Let me see. I can actually just open it because it's sitting here in front of me. <laughs> um, Javier Rodriguez, that was it. Um, I know you're, you're telling a great story that I, I do want to see more of. Ant-Man would be the runner-up. Mm-hmm. Like if we did honorable mentions for this. All right. No, no, no. That makes sense. But Paul, what's your book that nobody else is reading? Uh, Harley Quinn. <laughs> the Harlequin series. It's just that it scratches an itch that I didn't know I had. It's just that irreverent comedy. And I, it started basically last year with the Christmas special, which was my first. I only picked it up because it was, it was the was only Christmas DC Christmas issue coming out. And I'm like, you know what? This was kind of fun. And throughout the whole year, I kept on going, I want to read a fun, just irreverent com- comedy-based comic book. You know, something that just makes fun of the medium that we all enjoy and I can laugh along with it. And it each issue 
that I pick up of Harlequin, I at least chuckle at least once. <laughs> and that is something, you know, in my heart is cold. You know, I don't enjoy fun. We all know this. So we've done 288 of these episodes. When you were talking more. you were talking about this book a couple episodes ago, uh-huh. and then you pointed out that it makes you remember about that you like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Uh-huh. That's when I was like, that's when I thought Paul was normal. This is another book that if Paul said you liked it, you're like, oh, this guy seems relatively normal. Yeah. It's just that slapsticky kind of just. This in is your the face book, book I would never, I would never in a thousand years think that it would be your number one yeah. pick. This is yeah. the exact opposite of Fantastic Four. <laughs> this is the the. the dichotomy of it is crazy to me but this is what i end up enjoying and laughing it's it's popcorn it is fun it is just the veneer of what it is there's nothing more to it but that's fine and i'm going to enjoy it because not everything needs to be a countdown to crisis infinite uh, ultimate uh clandestine universe multiversity yes you know no, no, I agree. It's, this and then, just be itself. And, and the fact that, I mean, it's it's like, you know, the Deadpool mm-hmm. for for yeah. DC, especially when they have, like, they're having the Harley Quinn uh, team-up books now, mm-hmm. which seem really good, fun. Her uh, Harley Quinn and Wonder Woman, Woman, Harley Quinn and Power Girl. Uh, Harley Quinn had Paul her, them all. He's Harley it. Quinns. You know, <laughs> it's the Harley Quinn road trip with Catwoman and... Uh, Poison Ivy. Yeah. It's no, it's fun. fun. And, it's, and it's funny to think that this character started when we were, like, 10, when... Paul uh, Dini. Paul Dini's... Uh, Batman uh, the Animated Batman Series. Batman the Animated Series. B-T-A-S. To uh, throw an acronym at you. Um, B-T-A-S. And my number one is going to be that book that I... We just read recently. Number four comes out next week. I didn't pick it because I didn't want to give anything away. Uh, and this is going to be Paper Girls mm. with Brian K. Vaughn yeah. and Cliff Chang. I was so surprised at how much I liked that book. And this was before something weird was happening. When it was just when yeah. I was reading it, and it was just four female Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. No, see, I I thought about adding that one um, as my number three, but I haven't read um, the following issues yet, so I couldn't put it there. But I I loved number one a lot. Yeah, well, number one had the classic BKB. It's a normal story. Everything's fine. Everything's, and you fall in love with these characters, and then oh, here's the twist. Yeah. Uh, hey, Wolverine's down in a pit. Oh, how's he going to get out? Oh, here's the twist. He's in Hiroshima. <laughs> uh, Hiroshima. Yeah. When the bomb's about to explode. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it was just one of those books that can like, like Archie. Like it just was. What? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm totally accepting of this. And it is. It's one of those things where we've had superheroes. We have our superheroes. Mm-hmm. We have this. And it's kind of, we've, in the last couple of years, have really enjoyed these slice of life yeah. out there kind of things. Uh, and, yeah, this is one of those ones that kind of fulfills that weird niche that I didn't know I had, but now I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's easier to enjoy slice of life when your life, you know, is kind of <laughs> not as exactly. It's coming along, but it's not quite done. No, it's, it's in the oven. It's never You're done. hoping that it raises, but maybe it won't. 
and so you can see your t- life tur- taking a weird turn, exactly like these comic books are. Not. <laughs> uh, or it's it's because we we can't spend the money and spend the time on following all the crossover niche, and this book yeah. leads, leads to this book, and we don't really care about the main overarching story of DC or the main overarching universe story of Marvel. We just want to read characters that we enjoy spending time with. And and that's yeah. really what's happened with me is the mm-hmm. the dramatic fall off of the big superhero books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't. I couldn't even tell you which one I really follow now. Mm-hmm. From week to week, uh, Doctor Strange would probably be it because that was my number two until I remembered Rat, Rat Queens. Because again, that was just capturing a character that I didn't know I liked, liking him, and the art was great in that book. Like that would be my runner-up. Yeah, I think today I was going to go back and like purchase the books that I just haven't had a chance to like buy and maybe do some reading before I have to go to work. But I- I'm trying to think of like what books I'm most looking forward to reading, and it's going to be the stuff like Wicked and Divine or Doctor Strange, Archie, like like those books. Not not like Green Lantern. No, Batman. Yeah, I still like Batman, but it's lost something. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Gordon Bat, but you know Bruce will be back in number fifty, so that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that'll be back on my list at that point then. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's like Kieran Gillian would have been on my list if it, I already wasn't um, a fan of him. Like you know, like last year, the year before would have been the time when I was like, this is the guy to look for. Because I mean, he did um, Angela or Angelica or whatever the, the yeah Spawn Angela, character. yeah like the Queen of Hell book. I was really surprised that I you know that when she was like that he turned her into a western with a lesbian sidekick, you know like I was like what what where did that come from? Yeah, um, and honestly, Wicked and Divine was almost on my list too. Um, except it's been coming out since 2014. Yeah. But it literally it just ramped up to the point where I was like, okay, this is a must read for me now. Like it was something that I enjoyed, but it was more just because of the idea behind it. Now it's actually the plot pushing it forward. Yeah. No, I I agree completely. Yeah, and Kier, yeah, Kieran Gillian is one of those people that I would have put there, but they're already on my radar. They're already yeah. those yeah. people I'd follow uh, to read a Vader book. They, middle management it, it, they are the founders of of your list. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's not picking Jason Aaron because well, of course we're going to pick Jason Aaron. You know, it's now we get Jason Aaron on Doctor Strange and how awesome is that? Like we expected it to be awesome. But we yeah. picked Jason Aaron three years ago when he took over. You know, <coughs> created Wolverine in the X Men. Yeah, and well, for the past three years we were like, oh yeah, Jason Aaron's great. Jason Aaron on our radar. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and that and that's the reason we didn't pick those characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean that wraps everything up. Thank you guys for listening. If there's a book, a movie, a beer company that we missed, please find us over on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Revolver Ray- from Texas is if we came in this area, I would pick up. Oh yeah, yeah. If, if we didn't have to have somebody in Texas to be kind enough to send us something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, find us over on uh, iTunes. Rate and review us. Haven't uh, had a rating or a review in so long. And it might be because other people are using other platforms to yeah. listen, and those company ma- companies make it extremely hard to rate and review. Darn you, Stitcher. 
I, I still don't know how to rate and review yeah, us on Stitcher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but those other websites, you know, find us. Just even if it's not a rate and review over on iTunes, find us and uh, just let us know that you're listening over on iTunes or on Facebook. Uh, it's a great way to find us, and we like seeing that we have new likes and. Any listener who's gotten into contact with us, we've always been more than happy to talk with you, mm-hmm. email you. Uh, uh, Lawrence Guest is someone who I'm always interested over on Untapped, seeing what he's drinking, giving him a cheers and saying, oh, yeah, that's that's a great beer. You should try this. Uh, also someone who I found uh, has been trying to age his beers and has been doing it uh, pretty well. Hmm. So make sure you tune in next week because uh – Look forward, or are we doing monthly look back now? Uh, look forward. Look forward, and then we'll do our monthly look back. I was going to say, do we even need to do a December a December one? Because there was nothing really that... I picked up Steam Man, number one, and stuff like that. You picked up Steam Man, that was like a November book. Oh, really? Okay. November so no, we don't really need to. Yeah. All right, we'll skip it. Yeah, we'll skip it. Yeah. But look forward to our look forward episode, for where we make strange predictions for 2016. <laughs> I'm going to like Sam Adams' beers in 2016.